welcome to 15 Minutes in Canberra. I'm Hayley Channer, a Senior Policy Fellow at the Perth US Asia Centre. I am delighted to be joined by Mercedes Page, a good friend of mine, and on a very auspicious day, International Women's Day 2021. We're very lucky because Mercedes Page is a very accomplished woman herself. In 2018, she was named by the Financial Review and Qantas as one of Australia's 100 Women of Influence. And in 2019, she was a finalist in the Women's Agenda Leadership Awards. In addition to her recognition as being an amazing woman, Mercedes is also the founder and CEO of Young Australians in International Affairs. And I'm delighted to say she joins me now. Mercedes, welcome. Thanks, Hayley. <laughs> <laughs> so, for people who don't know how wonderful and amazing and talented you are, why don't you give us a little overview of your life this far? <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for that very generous introduction. <laughs> um, so, my life so far. So, I grew up in South Australia, so I'm a proud Adelaidean, um, but I've lived in Canberra now for the last six six years. Um, so I currently work for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, um, where I am the Assistant Director for Cyber Corporation. In addition, um, as, as you mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of Young Australians International Affairs, which is a not-for-profit aimed at uh, providing a platform for Australia's next generation of leaders in international affairs uh, to build their leadership skills so that we can navigate the challenges that Australia faces mm. in the Indo-Pacific century. You know, when you started Austra Young Australians in International Affairs, when you start something from the ground up, there's a lot of work involved. Um, what made you decide to take the plunge into creating an organisation from scratch for Young Australians? So when I started the organization, I was 23. I was at the University of Adelaide um, where I was studying my master's degree and I was um, in my final semester and writing my thesis. And at the time there was, I saw such a gap in the Australian landscape for an organization um, you know, run by young people for young people to engage in international affairs, make really important connections with um, with each other, um, but also with established leaders um, across the spectrum of international affairs. Mm. And so, yeah, there was this opportunity and I thought, well, why not start something um, and, and fill that gap? So, um, I did. And I started with a very professional Gmail account and a Facebook <laughs> Facebook page, um, putting putting a call out. Have to start for, somewhere. Have to start somewhere. <laughs> putting a call out for for volunteers um, and started and I started posting jobs, internships, and a range of other opportunities as well. <laughs> and um, the organisation just exploded um, within you know days. I had you know thousands of people that were following um, the organisation um, and that were reaching out about opportunities to get to get engaged um, in their different states and territories. Mm. So the organization actually grew really, really quickly. So I started in Adelaide where I'm based and that's where we had our first event. Um, but we very quickly grew to branches in uh, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth and Brisbane. And then um, in later years, we, we opened up a branch in Canberra as well. Mm. It's amazing how you saw an opportunity because there was nothing else filling that gap. And it's true, it's very difficult for people who are young to break into international affairs, especially if they haven't had any role model or people that they know that are in the field. So I'm not surprised you were inundated with interest from people. So 
Young Australians in International Affairs has been going for seven years now, which is an amazing achievement in itself for something that is a completely volunteer organisation. Um, what are some of the major achievements of Young Oz? Wow, major achievements. Um, that's actually a really good question and one that I should be able to <laughs> answer really easily. Other than like, providing a forum for young Australians to engage and, you know, information and events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the biggest achievement, at least from my end, has just being able to see the impact that the organisation has for so many um, young Australians and that it provides, you know, all these different opportunities to either, you know, help support you as you're looking for your first or first couple of jobs, um, to shining a light on different opportunities for people that don't know about the different pathways that you can take in international affairs. I mean, I certainly didn't, and that was one of the driving forces behind starting the organisation, um, to being able to provide a platform and, you know, um, a platform for emerging scholars and analysts to become a, a fellow, which is not something that most people get at the beginning of their career. And it's really important to, um, you know, have a title and have a platform to be able to develop your own expertise mm-hmm. and, um, and, build and build yourself build your confidence. And it also helps you, it provides you um, an in with other organizations because they see that you've got that, mm. um, that, um, that title. Um, so I think, I mean, the organization grew so quickly that basically what we've been doing for the last couple of years has been really trying to just consolidate that growth and maintain what we do um, so that everything we do is done to the best of our abilities. I mean, I see so many other organizations, they um, start all these different initiatives and stuff, but they very quickly like, you know, it loses momentum. It loses momentum and then it's really hard to try and sustain all of that. And I know firsthand how much work goes into <laughs> into into all of that, particularly when you're staffed entirely by volunteers. Mm-hmm. I mean, myself included. Um, so, I've really tried to make sure that we have a focus on really con- consolidating that and making sure that we have those, you know, really boring, you know, procedures and systems mm-hmm. and ways of operating in place, but that are actually really fundamental mm-hmm. to making sure that you run a successful organization and provide successful services yeah and not only that you're also teaching the young australians who are a part of the organization how an organization is run and how they'll also be working in the workforce after they leave absolutely now we're having this chat on international women's day and mercedes you're a woman (laughs) (laughs) yes and I'd be very interested to hear from you. You know, what's your experience been like as a woman in international affairs? I think in the past, uh, the whole field of international affairs has been male dominated. Um, Lots of people in senior positions have not been women, although I'm so pleased that uh, there's a woman at the head of DFAT. So would you like to just talk about or reflect on your experience as a young and now uh, more mature woman in (laughs) international affairs? (laughs) Thanks, Hayley. <laughs> less young. Young to be less young. Um, look, I think that's a really great question. This International Women's Day is certainly coming at a pivotal time for us in Australia, but also around the world and the Indo-Pacific um, as well. Um, you're absolutely correct that 
international affairs has always been very much a male-dominated space. And I think um, as a young woman, although I don't know if I can call myself that young anymore, but certainly as a young woman working in this space, I've seen a lot of change over the last five or six years. There's certainly much more emphasis placed on making sure that there's a diversity of people in a range of different positions and that um, women's voices are being actively sought out. Like I remember five or six years ago, I mean, male, all male panels were just the norm Mm -hmm. at think tanks um, and, you know, across the sector. And there are still too many panels, but um, it is really good to see that almost all organisations now are trying to take steps to make sure that there's a blanket policy against all male panels. Um, And I think that's really important to help promote and elevate the next generation of women um, across the spectrum of international affairs. And in some areas, that's really easy. In others, not so much. Um, It's a lot easier, I think, in in areas like aid and development rather than defence contestability. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's still work to be done in a lot of those areas, but that work will never stop. It it, it will never stop. um, And it is really good to see that um, people are making proactive choices um, to help elevate women Mm -hmm. in this space. Yeah, I definitely agree. I've had a similar experience in terms of recognizing progress in my time Mm. working in defense and security and international affairs, just being in Canberra and attending events where in the past, you know, Q&A would be uh, just a free for all. And often a lot of women wouldn't put their hand up for whatever reason. But now I've noticed that um, moderators on panels are saying would be very good to have diversity in the questions, really encourage women in the crowd to to ask a question, which is interesting, like actually calling women out to say, if you have a question and you're a woman, we'd like to hear from you, which is different to the past. And hopefully we'll start to generate this kind of cultural shift where women are asking more questions and not afraid to to be the first to ask a question yeah absolutely i think that's a really great example because it's not you're you're right it's not just about making sure that there's gender equality in the workforce it's also about making sure that all the ways that gender intersects is being examined sorry that doesn't make any sense um saying that you know it permeates all areas it's not just the workforce but it's how you interact in a social setting um, whether it's academia or in the workplace or the home absolutely it's about making sure that you are identifying opportunities for women in the workforce to contribute to provide a platform that you are actively looking Mm -hmm. out to make sure that women know that their voices are valued and encouraged it's about even at a micro level making sure that just being cognizant of you're sitting in a team meeting and it's only the men that are speaking that you're creating space so that women also and that's a really common one that i see very often and it's really great to see males and, and other women, um, making sure that um, women's voices are encouraged. Mm. Now, Young Australians in International Affairs, is it doing anything in particular to mark International Women's Day this year? Yeah, so um, I'm really proud that Young Australians in International Affairs provides um, lots of different platforms for, you know, the next generation of women to get involved in international affairs. And Um, An initiative that we've run now for the third year um, to celebrate International Women's Day is to publish a list of young women to watch in international affairs. So this year, so the list started in 2019 and it came about because um, I saw, I think it was on LinkedIn or or Twitter or something like that. 
you know, a, a former colleague of mine getting recognised um, for her contributions um, in in her industry um, as part of, um, you know, some, some awards for women. And I thought, you know, it's astounding that we don't have anything similar to recognise, you know, Australian women working across the spectrum of international affairs. Mm. Um, so... Um, luckily, um, <laughs> you know, being the CEO of an organization means that, you know, you can actually, <laughs> you, can pull you, some strings. you can pull some strings and you can actually like, you know, get, you know, get initiatives like that off the ground. And so we did. Um, so we, um, launched this young women to watch an international affairs list. And, and basically, um, it's an annual list that's published on international women's day each year. And it, um, provides a spotlight on, um, women under 35 working um, across the spectrum of international affairs and provides a spotlight on their achievements and contributions because international affairs remains overwhelmingly a male-dominated space um, and, you know, is so important to recognise, you know, these absolute trailblazers. Um, I'm, you know, looking at the list this year, I was just so impressed by the hundreds of nominations we received um, and going through and trying to narrow it down to just 20 was absolutely impossible. Mm. So we increased it to 25, um, which was still pretty impossible. But, um, you know, there are some incredible, incredible women who just fill me with so much hope and inspiration that, you know, we, we, we are going to, you know, see some change in the years to come. Um, and, yeah, I find it a really inspiring list. And so that went live today. So oh, I encourage I everyone to have a look. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah. Um, and usually what I do to end these little chats is just to keep people listening. I ask for an unusual, weird, wonderful story about something that's happened to you in your past or something that you reflect back on in your career and you think, geez, I really wish I knew that, you know, 12, 15 years ago. So when you look back at, you know, how far you've come, you know, from South Australia and, you know, your time now in Canberra, is there any particular moment or story that comes to mind that you reflect back on? Um, I'm not sure about any particular moment or story. I mean, I was doing a similar exercise quite recently with a friend because um, it's very easy to, um, you know, when you're reflecting about your career, thinking about what you could have done differently or, you know, thinking about, you know, if I'd made different different choices, where would I be, etc. And my friend was like, you know, imagine that you were, you know, you know, your 16 year old self and reflecting on where you are today. Um, what do you think your 16 year old self would say? And, um, I think like that was, um, quite a defining moment because I thought, Oh, actually, I guess if I was 16 and saw where I was today, I'd be pretty happy with myself. Um, and, and proud of all that I've done and achieved. And, um, you know, that's not a reflection that I, um, you know, often make. So, um, I think that was, that was quite a useful exercise to have that, um, bit of introspect, introspection. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess a lesson, um, or advice that I would give, give to my younger self. I mean, my career has certainly not been linear. Um, I, you know, started this not-for-profit when I was, um, 23 and then, 
Um, it took me it, it took me a while to get into the workforce, um, and you know I started working for a, a think tank. Then I went to work in um, uh, the private sector, and then I ended up um, working um, for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. So I kind of you know, always felt like I had done things um, in reverse mm-hmm. to how they were meant to have been done or, you know, something like that um, and compared myself to friends that had kind of done things a little bit differently. Um, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people that you're a peers. Yeah, yeah, it, it is really hard. And I think it's only now that I'm really realising that, you know, no one's career is linear um, and all of those diverse experiences make up um you know, who you are. And I think that if it hadn't been for all of those different experiences and, you know, even, you know, starting up my own um, organization and and putting so much time and energy into that over the years, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have the skill set that I have today or, you know, the diverse perspectives that I bring to my current day job. So, um, yeah, I definitely think your career is a marathon, not a sprint. And I used to hate it when people would say that to me. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> it's easy for you to say. And or, also, I don't like marathons. Also, I hate marathons. That's right. <laughs> I really wish it was a sprint. Right. <laughs> Slash a gentle walk. A gentle walk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a stroll. Mm. Um, but I've really come to appreciate just how sound of advice that really is mm-hmm. um and i think you know that's really useful to, to anyone whether at the their you know the beginning of their career or whether they're a bit more established you know don't compare yourself to others um every opportunity you know every experience is an opportunity um and will provide you with you know invaluable skills or um experiences that you wouldn't otherwise have gotten and you know, all of those can be transferred to what you do next. So, yeah. Mercedes, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And I think that people will really take a lot of key messages from your career experiences. You know, thinking about would you be proud of yourself back when you were 16 is a really good one because I think day to day you're always reflecting on every mistake you made that day when actually if you go back to yourself when you're in high school, and look at the achievements you've made, they're really remarkable. And you're a fantastic example of someone who's ambitious and proactive and has really made a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Haley. That's so sweet. <laughs> Thanks very much.